Chapter 19 of The Life of Thomas Lord Cochrane, Tenth Earl of Dundonald, Completing the Autobiography of a Seaman, Volume 2, by Henry Richard Foxbourne and others. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19 Before arriving in Greece, Lord Cochrane had been informed by Captain Abney Hastings and other experienced Philhellenes of the inefficiency of the navy, and a very short stay at Poros served to convince him of the truth of the information. On the 17th of April, he obtained from the National Assembly a decree authorising the organisation of a better national fleet, and before proceeding to join in the efforts for the relief of the Acropolis, he did all that was possible towards the achievement of this object, making such arrangements as would prevent any hindrance thereto arising from his temporary absence on the most pressing work that devolved upon him. Having sent Captain Hastings with all available ships on the expedition to the Negropont, which has already been described, he established at Poros the centre of the administration of the fleet, entrusting its direction to Dr. Goss as Commissary General. He then visited Hydra, Spetsaz, and other islands, and left in each directions for the inspection of all the ships there stationed, in order that, according to the national decrees, the best of them might be bought up by the government on equitable terms, and converted into vessels of war at Poros. During his stay near the Piraeus, he was in almost daily correspondence with Dr. Goss and Emmanuel Tombazes respecting the purchase of stores, the construction of gunboats, and every other essential to the fulfilment of his purpose. He sent Giacomaki Tombazes, the elder of the two brothers, to look out near Candia for a new corvette, which had just been built in Leghorn for the Pasha of Egypt. All other means in his power were adopted by him for augmenting the naval strength of Greece and fitting it to oppose the force of her enemies so soon as he was able to devote himself exclusively to that work. This he did promptly and zealously immediately after the failure of the expedition in favour of the garrison of the Acropolis. Quote, Brave officers and soldiers and seamen of the military and naval services, he wrote in a proclamation issued on the 7th of May, a defeat of the enemy's naval force will tenfold repay the check which was sustained in yesterday's attempt to relieve the Acropolis. Let every man maintain his post as duty to his country demands, and in a few days I trust you will find your affairs not only retrieved but secured on a permanent base. That trust was not fulfilled. The Greeks proved themselves on sea as well as on land, unable to fight worthily and with enough real patriotism for the liberty of their country. But honour must not on that account be withheld from the man who used all his large experience and larger philanthropy in trying to put them in the way of victory. Lord Cochrane returned to Poros on the 10th of May, after an absence of just three weeks. He lost no time in rendering to the government, then located in that island, a personal account of his recent proceedings, and in doing his utmost to persuade the Greeks to aid him in the new exploits on which he hoped to enter with better prospect of success. An address to the Sarians, dated the 11th of May, will serve as a specimen of many documents of the same nature. Quote, it was my intention yesterday, he said, to have paid my respects to you in order personally to have made known to you the circumstances in which the naval service is placed and the state and preparations of the enemy and to have called on you to show an example to the other islanders on whose exertions now depend the liberties and fate of their country the abandonment of the schooner in which i have hitherto been embarked by all her seamen prevented me from fulfilling my intention and certain intelligence received this morning that the turkish fleet from constantinople passed Syrah the day before yesterday to join the egyptian fleet compels me now to recommend you by writing 
instead of by word of mouth to save your country and yourselves by prompt and energetic exertions the money i brought here with me being the proceeds of subscriptions made throughout europe for your cause has unfortunately been nearly consumed in fruitless endeavours to save the capital of greece by means of an irregular and unmanageable body of men who will neither receive instruction nor listen to advice i hope that the brave seamen who understand their duty will listen to my recommendation through you that they should at once step forward to save their families from oppression and slavery and the name of their country from being struck out of the list of independent nations by one glorious effort greece may be free but if she remain in her present state of apathy all hope must be abandoned i call upon you now to stand forward in defence of your religion and all that is valuable to man i send you a thousand dollars which is all i can spare those who will equip their ships may depend upon repayment out of the first money that shall be remitted to me from the public service of greece as that letter implies lord cochrane had to begin his reconstruction of the greek navy now the only remaining resource of the nation in its hope of working out and assuring its independence by effort of its own almost without funds the small sum of eight thousand pounds which he had brought with him as well as the money collected by the european committees and transmitted to the philhellenic committee in greece composed of colonel haydeck dr bailey and dr goss was nearly exhausted and the bankrupt government was unable to provide him with any adequate resources for carrying on his work it had authorised him to buy ships and stores and to employ labourers and seamen and expected him to do all without stint but gave him no money for the purpose in lieu it authorised him to borrow upon the security of all the future revenue to be derived from the islands and every effort to utilise this mortgage was made by his agent dr goss but with very poor success the credit of the greek government was so low that the prospects of any considerable revenue in the depressed state of commerce likely to be yet more depressed by the steady advances made by the turks in regaining their dominion over the insurgents deterred capitalists from staking their money thereupon lord cochrane as we shall see had to apply half his energies in performing the work of a financier never anticipated by him and certainly not proper to his functions as first admiral and the result of all being feeble his legitimate duties were grievously crippled money was absolutely needed however he did his best to procure it and with this view as well as in order to make personal acquaintance with the principal ports and the ships and sailors contained in them he left poros three days after returning to it on a tour among the other important islands starting on sunday the thirteenth of may he reached hydra on the following morning there in the house of the brothers condoriotes its richest and most influential inhabitants he met several other leading primates and prevailed on them to take upon themselves the outfit of several brigs and brulots the cost of which he had at present no means of paying having on the fifteenth passed on to spetsas lord cochrane had a similar interview with its chief residence i have been highly gratified he wrote on the sixteenth to the elder condoriotes by the spirit here manifested in following the noble example which you have set and i have no doubt but a sufficient force will be immediately equipped to cut off all resources by which the army of reshid pasha is maintained and so destroy that army even more effectually than by the sword the utmost promptitude however is necessary one day's delay may permit several weeks provisions and stores to enter the negropont promptitude was not easy in spite of the favourable promises made by the primates Quote, strange as it may appear to you said lord cochrane in a letter to his friend monsieur Aynard, it is yet a fact that out of thousands of seamen idle and starving at hydra spetsas and aegina 
not a man will enter the service of his country without being paid in advance nor will they engage to prolong their service beyond a month so that the labour of disciplining a crew is interminable were their funds to increase the pay for each month the sailors would remain and there might be some hope of getting a ship in order at the present moment there are no individuals in greece who are instructed in their duties as officers in ships of war readers note that quote ends a new one begins i see no termination to the obstacles he wrote to dr goss on the seventeenth which present themselves at every step i advance neither the hydriots nor the sarians nor the spetsiots nor the poriots will embark in this frigate which is thus useless to greece if not prejudicial because her maintenance is an expense without benefit i wish i could do a thousand things which i am compelled to neglect by reason of the difficulties and want of assistance of all kinds you my good friend are my only aid at spetsas and in its neighbourhood lord cochrane remained four days directing the arrangements to be made in organising a fleet strong enough to go against the enemy's shipping and while waiting for that in appointing two minor expeditions upon services that were urgent on the eighteenth of may he sent admiral Sartores with ten brigs and four fireships to cruise about the negropont and capture as much as he could of the stores sent through that channel from constantinople for the use of the turkish army in attica on the following day he went himself in the hellas attended by the Cateria under captain abney hastings in the direction of cape clarenza the north-westernmost point of the maria opposite to zante castle tornisi there situated was being besieged by the turks and lord cochrane hoped to be in time to avert its capture in this he failed arriving on the twenty second of may he found that the castle had capitulated a few hours before all he could do was chase two turkish frigates which had been found on the coast Quote, we fired on them he said but our guns were ill-directed and the noise and confusion on board this ship was excessive which prevented my choosing to attack them again though they did us not the slightest injury because i am desirous that the hellas shall be in somewhat better order before i voluntarily attack an enemy who may take advantage of the impossibility of causing my orders to be obeyed and so leave the fate of the ship to the conduct of a rabble one capture however the hellas was able to make on the following day she fell in with a vessel manned by turks and ionian islanders bearing the british flag loaded with captives chiefly women and children just taken in the castle tornisi lord cochrane seized her and sent her with a reasonably indignant letter to the lord high commissioner at corfu Quote, if i do not attempt to express my feelings in addressing you he said it is because i am aware that the terms i should employ would fall far short of the sensations that will arise in the breast of every honourable man throughout the civilised world and the degradation which every englishman will experience on learning that the flag of england first prostituted by supplying the traffickers in christian slaves with all the necessaries for their horrid purposes is now further debased by a traffic in the slaves themselves i send you an ionian vessel full of women violated in their persons and who with their children have been reduced to slavery in order that the british public and the world may ascertain whether these unfortunate people will be protected by the decision of an ionian tribunal if there were any hope that the people in the ionian islands would abandon their infamous dealings otherwise than by force i should ask your excellency to issue an order upon the subject i beg however to signify that i am ready to co-operate with the admiral and officers of the british naval service in the mediterranean in enforcing obedience to the laws of justice and humanity and putting down the ionian trade in slaves 
as well as the piracies which have originated chiefly in the total contempt shown by the Ionian people and others for the laws of nations and the principles of justice during the contest between greeks and turks i also put at your disposal the turks found on board the ionian boat not considering them as prisoners of war but as men apprehended in violating the laws of civilized nations and insulting the feelings of christendom since writing the above it was added in a postscript i have experienced considerable difficulty in restraining the fury of the greeks from bursting forth upon the violators of their countrywomen from what i foresee i also feel it my duty to warn you that should the transportation of christian captives by neutrals be continued i cannot answer for the safety of ionians found so employed by the other vessels of the greek squadron a formal acknowledgment of that letter was all the answer received by lord cochrane on the twenty fourth of may near missolonghi he made another capture a turkish brig with eight guns bearing austrian colours which was proceeding from provisa to navarino in her besides a good store of flour and gunpowder were found some turkish officials and several members of rashid pasha's harem the alarm of these prisoners was very great at first but they were treated with courtesy and landed with all their personal properties at the first convenient halting place the brig and its cargo being retained as prizes rashid pasha in return for the generous treatment shown to his attendants afterwards released a hundred greek prisoners without ransom another curious incident occurred at this time several small turkish merchant vessels passed lord cochrane's ship during his stay near missolonghi but he abstained from capturing them deeming it unworthy to interfere with such small crafts devoted as it was supposed only to trading purposes he was afterwards informed that in one of them ibrahim pasha himself had been concealed had the egyptian leader thus been made prisoner the future course of the war might have been altogether changed lord cochrane had gone into the gulf of patras in the hope of meeting with captain hastings from whom he had parted soon after leaving spetsas but the katerina had been disabled by a squall which took away both her masts and over had to return to poros and with the ill-manned hellas alone lord cochrane did not deem it prudent as he had wished to attack navarino whither the besiegers of castle tornisi had gone and where twelve egyptian frigates twenty corvettes and forty or fifty smaller vessels were for some time lying several of these came to take on board the ottoman troops who had done their work at cape clarenza and lord cochrane on the first of june remained for several hours within sight of them ready and hoping to be attacked no fight being offered however he did not choose to run the risk of going single-handed into their midst he accordingly contented himself with surveying the coast and forming his own judgment as to the relative value of its ports and harbours as he sailed back in the direction of poros to poros itself lord cochrane did not venture to proceed Quote, i have written for all the greek vessels that are ready including the fireships and explosion vessels to join me he said in a letter to dr goss written on the seventh of june of Kurigo. i remain at sea with this frigate lest the whole of her crew should desert according to custom were i to pay a visit to poros the want of zeal which he thus perceived in his seamen was shared by nearly all of their countrymen all wished him to serve them but very few made any patriotic effort to aid him in the service his most active supporter was captain abney hastings and captain abney hastings complained yet more loudly than did his superior of the indolence and bad conduct of the greeks Quote, i had the honour to receive your order of the seventh in joining me to repair to your lordship without delay if ready for sea he wrote on the ninth from spetsas a variety of circumstances unavoidable in a country deprived of even the shadow of organization has prevented me from being yet ready to sail 
the majority and best of my crew have left me and i must look for others hastings and all his other officers wrote over and over again to lord cochrane asking for stores of all sorts and for money with which to pay the wages of their crews but lord cochrane was still almost without funds only from condoriotes and the other island primates could he procure scanty supplies with which to carry on his work or rather to prevent that work from being altogether abandoned Quote, i have the honour he wrote to the government to represent to your excellencies that i find it impossible to realise the credit which you assign to me on the revenues of the islands and that insurmountable obstacles prevent my acting as affairs require the hellas even is idle in want of supplies each day each event increases my conviction that without strong and special efforts without a prompt and disinterested cooperation of all its citizens greece must of necessity be overcome isolated as i am i am useless to them supported by their patriotism and zeal i could fight for their independence the islands of the archipelago are willing to aid our efforts but they claim from me in return a guarantee for the safety of their goods and for the regular administration of their imposts i await your excellency's instruction for promptly answering their demand for the resources of the western nations are drained european charity is wearied the islands alone offer us the means of maintaining the naval forces and of resisting if it be possible if it be not too late the vigorous preparations of our enemy we must act promptly or abandon everything the government only answered by urging its chief admiral to lose no time securing the independence of greece this in spite of the difficulties thrown in his way he set himself heartily to attempt two courses were now open to him rashid pasha having taken possession of the acropolis and thus completed the capture of athens had laid siege to corinth and sir richard church with a weak and vacillating body which went by the name of an army the remnants of that which had proved so useless in the neighbourhood of the piraeus was vainly trying to raise the siege by him and by the government lord cochrane was urged to muster as large a fleet as possible in the bay of corinth and to co-operate with the land forces by blockading the besiegers after the method that had failed at athens experience convinced him that such action would be useless whereas from modification of the plan which he had in the former instance been induced to abandon he hoped much he knew that a large egyptian force was being prepared at alexandria to be employed first in aiding the siege of corinth and afterwards in completing the conquest of all greece if only he could train the greeks to act under his bold leadership as he had trained the chileans and brazilians he trusted that by one daring movement he could seize alexandria as he had seized valdivia and Maranham and to this project he zealously addressed himself deeming it sufficient to send a small force to blockade the gulfs of patras and corinth and leaving dr goss as his agent in command of naval affairs at home with special orders to visit the various islands and in accordance with authority received from the government to collect the revenues of each in order that the necessary expenses of the fleet might be met he collected all the vessels he could muster in the neighbourhood of cape st angelo his force consisted besides the hellas of one corvette the sauveur which he had bought from marseilles commanded by captain thomas of fourteen greek brigs and eight brulots or fire-ships with these he started for alexandria on the eleventh of june the hellas having often to slacken speed in order that the slower greek vessels might be kept in attendance candia was passed on the thirteenth and alexandria was sighted at five o'clock in the morning of the fifteenth 
Lord Cochrane stood out to sea so that he might not be discovered and spent the day in putting his fleet in order, preparing an explosion vessel and arranging for the work of the morrow. Quote, Brave officers and seamen, he said, in an address to his followers. One decisive blow and Greece is free. The port of Alexandria, the centre of the evil that has befallen you, now contains within its narrow bounds numerous ships of war and a multitude of vessels laden with provisions, stores and troops intended to effect your total ruin. The wind is fair for us and our enterprise unsuspected. Brave brulatiers resolve by one moment of active exertion to annihilate the power of the satrap. Then shall the siege of Athens be raised in Egypt. Then shall the armies of Ibrahim and Rashid be deprived of subsistence and their garrisons perish of hunger. Whilst the brave inhabitants of continental Greece and the islanders, freed from impending danger, will fly to arms and by one simultaneous movement throw off the barbarian yoke. Date the return of happy days and the liberty and security of Greece from your present exhibition of valour. The emancipation of Egypt and the downfall of the satrap are also inevitable consequences, for the war is concentrated in one point of action and of time. That spirited address was ineffectual, and Lord Cochrane's bold plan for seizing Alexandria was prevented by the cowardice and disorganisation of the Greeks, whom he was labouring to serve. They could hardly be persuaded on the 16th to follow the Hellas and Savoy, all bearing Austrian colours, as far as the entrance to Alexandria, and when twenty large Egyptian vessels were found to be there lying at harbour, they lost heart altogether. Lord Cochrane knew from past experience that with proper support from his subordinates he could easily capture or disperse the enemy's shipping. He had made arrangements for attacking them with the fireships and his explosion vessel, but nearly all the crews refused to serve. Canaris alone among the Greeks was brave. Having commanded the fireships, he induced the sailors of two of them to bear down upon the enemy, and at about eight o'clock in the evening, one man-of-war was burnt. So great was the effect of this small success that the other ships of the enemy prepared to escape, and great numbers of the inhabitants of Alexandria hurried out of the town and sought a hiding in the adjoining villages. Seeing the Egyptian ships making ready for flight, however, the Greeks supposed that they were coming out to attack them, and themselves immediately turned sail, heedless alike of their own honour, and of Lord Cochrane's assurances that a splendid victory was easy to them. All the night was vainly spent by the Hellas and Salveur in futile efforts to collect them, and on the morning of the 18th they were found to be dispersed far out at sea over an area of more than twenty miles. In despite of his feeble allies, Lord Cochrane would have gone boldly into port and attacked the enemy, but his own Greek sailors were as timid as their comrades, and after a whole day spent in reconnoitring the enemy, whose force of twenty-five sail dared not offer battle, but had gained courage enough to abstain from actual flight, he was compelled on the 19th also to put out to sea, and to spend two other days in signalling the brigs and fireships to join him. Not till the afternoon of the 20th, by which time he had pursued his allies to a distance eighty miles from Alexandria, was he able to bring them into any sort of order, and then the bitter conviction was forced upon him that further prosecution of his plan for the present, at any rate, was useless. The scanty store of provisions that had been sent with the fleet, moreover, was nearly exhausted, and thus a new difficulty arose. Lord Cochrane sent the most useless of his vessels back to Poros for a fresh supply, and with an earnest entreaty that some efficient reinforcements might also be forwarded to him, announcing his intention of waiting in the neighbourhood in hopes of achieving some better success. Quote, your excellencies may rest assured, he said in his letter to the government, that our visit to Alexandria will have a powerful effect in paralysing the equipment of an expedition, and I have every reason to conclude that the example made before their eyes of the Brigger War will deter any of the numerous neutral vessels 
from engaging as transports in the expedition equipping by the pasha the sensation created must indeed have been powerful as, as two neutral vessels of war made the signal for pilots before we weighed anchor on the morning of the seventeenth under the impression no doubt that a more effectual attack would shortly be attempted i am going to make a short tour with a view as far as i am enabled with the inadequate means at my disposal to distract and paralyse the enemy in accordance with that purpose being already near cyprus lord cochrane conducted his fleet a little further north and anchored on the twenty third of june off finica in asia minor where after a brief fight with the turks he effected a landing and received some much-needed food and water thence he addressed letters urging the prompt dispatch of the necessary stores and vessels to the government to the primates of hydra and to dr goss from this halting place also he sent a noteworthy letter to mohammed ali the pasha of egypt a supplement to one which he had addressed to him nearly a year before when he was on his way to enter the service of the greeks Quote, you are employing foreigners in your military and naval service he had said in the former letter which will be best quoted in this place the privilege which you claim and exercise of building and equipping ships of war in neutral states and of purchasing steam vessels and hiring transports under neutral flags for hostile purposes and to transport to slavery a people whom the ottoman arms have never yet been able wholly to subdue warrant a belief whatever your sentiments may be that the civilized educated and liberal portion of mankind will be gratified that succours similar to those which you unfortunately have hitherto obtained from these states are now about to be afforded to the brave the oppressed and suffering greeks nor will the advantage derived be wholly theirs for until you shall cease or be forced to abandon your inhuman traffic in christian slaves and the commission of cruelties which stain the character of man your subjects must inevitably continue barbarians a state from which it would be a source of great gratification to contribute to release them it is true that the christian world has not of late contended in arms with those of your faith on points of religion it has however not fallen into a state of apathy so great as to see unheeded the perpetration of those enormities which you are daily committing on christians a sentiment with which no feeling of animosity towards you or towards your people is combined on the contrary it desires to render you every good service consistent with that duty paramount to all others namely to wipe out the stain from the civilized world of unfeelingly and inhumanely cooperating to exterminate enslave and transport to bondage a whole christian people and such a people the descendants of those greeks whose genius laid the chief foundation of literature the sciences and the arts who reared those noble monuments and edifices which time and the more destructive barbarian hand have yet failed to destroy and which compared with the wretched hovels of your hordes may better point out to you the elevation they attained and the prostrate state in which your people are owing alas to the baneful effects of bigotry and despotic sway surely surely there is ample field for you to exercise your energies at home in encouraging industry the arts and sciences in promoting the civilization of your people and in enacting equitable laws for the security of persons and property on which bases the national prosperity of all countries must rest but should your ambition not content with bestowing blessings like these on your native land lead you to soar almost above mortal acts distant oceans would unite and the extremities of the globe approach at your command thus might your name be rendered immortal and egypt become again the emporium of commerce and one of the richest and happiest nations upon earth how infinitely great the glory from such acts 
how despicable the fame of a tyrant conqueror the ruler of slaves it would be pleasing to support you as the author of great and good works but it is shameful to permit your present proceedings and dastardly to leave the unfeeling apostate sons of neutral and christian nations unopposed aiding to perpetuate barbarism for horrid gain drawn from the price of christians torn from their homes and sold as slaves in foreign lands against these atrocious men my companions and myself casting the gauntlet down will contend in the hope that they and you may perceive your true interests and your great error and pursue a different course before it shall be too late quit the classic sacred soil of greece let the flayings and burnings and impalings of that people cease and oh shocking to humanity the ripping up of pregnant women and the hewing up of their infant babes and other acts yet worse than these too horrid to relate release the christian slaves pursue an honourable and enlightened path and we become friends to aid you in your pursuits but should the present course be continued let the bands of cruel assassins in your employ count on our opposition count too on our neutralising the effects of every vessel procured or bought from christian states hear the voice of the lord ye rulers in the prophecy now to be fulfilled woe to them that go down to egypt for help and stay when the lord shall stretch out his hand both he that helpeth shall fall and he that is holpen shall fall down and they shall all fall together instead of filling brimful the cup of bitterness of which you yourself must ultimately drink how admirably might you not employ your people and your treasure the waste whereof is rearing to you a barbarian successor to prolong the bondage of egypt the christian prayer of those called to rescue their suffering brethren is that conforming yourself to the dictates of reason and humanity you may live long to benefit mankind and as you are more enlightened than your predecessors so may you become more humane and just the second letter was more brief Quote, the discrimination of your highness lord cochrane now wrote enables you to judge between those who offer advice to promote personal objects and those who disinterestedly desire the welfare of mankind egypt may become great by the attention of her rulers to her internal concerns but not by war and foreign conquest and assuredly not by the conquest of that people with whom your highness is now engaged in hostilities not only on account of the impossibility of reducing them to subjection but because the whole of europe is directly or indirectly engaged in their support i beg your highness to be assured that if i present myself to your consideration in a more conspicuous point of view than others it is only because the habits of my life have enabled me to be openly instrumental in the protection of a christian people whom you attack and not because i feel animosity against your highness nor because i desire the overthrow of the lawful power of your highness should your highness however listen to interested counsellors or those who hope to gain by adulation and continue the present unjust and sanguinary contest i take leave once more to warn you that the first visit i have had the honour of paying you shall not be the last and that it is not in the power of your highness to prevent the destruction of your ships destined for the invasion of greece nor to defeat my intention to block up the port of alexandria i had the honour to address your highness twelve months ago but have thought proper to repeat once more the honest advice i then expressed in order that your highness may acquit me when in the hour of adversity you have to regret that you have not listened to the voice of truth lord cochrane's threats could not be enforced off the coast of asia minor and among the southern islands of the archipelago 
he waited for more than a week but no adequate reinforcements or supplies of provisions arrived the disorganized fleet became more and more unmanageable one vessel after another deserted and those that remained in nominal attendance on the flagship could not be brought under control lord cochrane who had made skilful sailors and brave warriors of enervated chileans and brazilians found the greeks utterly unmanageable after the second of july he tried vainly to bring them into order and only succeeded in pursuing them from island to island until on that day they had drawn him back to the neighbourhood of hydra there they all dispersed and with a heavy heart he anchored at poros on the fourth the helios was immediately deserted by her crew another month had been wasted and another bold project for the assistance of greece had been spoiled by the want of patriotism which exhibited first and most flagrantly by the leaders was now rapidly pervading all classes of the greeks an amusing instance of the worthlessness of the greek sailors whom from first to last he tried to make useful may here be given on one occasion following his invariable habit of taking every possible occasion of trying to win the confidence and friendship of those under him he was exhibiting a magic lantern to the crew of the hellas at many of the dissolving views they manifested a childish delight but at length one unfortunate picture was brought before them it depicted a greek running from the pursuit of a turk and then melted into a view of the turk cutting off the captive's head at that sight every greek on board took fright some ran into the hold of the ship others jumped overboard and many hours had to be spent in bringing them together again and dispelling their frivolous and superstitious fears lord cochrane however though disheartened still sought with unabated zeal to render to greece such help as became his name and character but he saw that this could not be done without a thorough reform in naval affairs and this often urged by him before he lost no time in urging again Quote, the crew of the hellas he wrote to the effete government on the very day of his return having according to their usual practice abandoned the vessel on her arrival in port it is essential that others should be enlisted to serve in the frigate without delay it is further essential that the individual so enlisted shall engage to serve during a period of not less than six months and that they shall be young men who will conform to the rules and regulations by which the ships of war of other states are governed it is quite impossible to conduct a large ship of war amidst the noise and confusion which i have witnessed during the two months that have elapsed since my flag was hoisted on board this ship and equally impossible to induce monthly crews to conform to habits of order and regularity under these circumstances i enclose you a proclamation stating the pay and advantages which will accrue to such individuals i should prefer that the enlistment should take place under such respectable young men as propose to obtain rank in the national marine and who can be in some degree responsible for the good conduct of the individuals who accompany them each individual qualified for and aspiring to the rank of lieutenant being accompanied by sixty young seamen the second lieutenant to be each accompanied by thirty for this ship five of the first class and eight of the second are required the proclamation which lord cochrane submitted to the government detailed his plan for ensuring or at any rate making possible honest and hearty service in seafaring quote, i wish i could inform your excellencies he said in another letter written two days later that the obstacles however great which presented themselves in the course of the naval service were all i had to contend with the jealousies among the islanders even the most enlightened embarrassed me exceedingly and these i regret to say cannot be alleviated by having recourse to your advice or authority at the distance at which you are placed without a correspondence so voluminous that i should occupy too much of your attention i must therefore act according to my own responsibility and in doing so i am aware that some may be displeased and probably no one will be satisfied nearly all the month of july indeed was spent by lord cochrane in zealous efforts 
to render the Greek navy more efficient. For this two things were needed, that the officers and crews should be honest and intelligent, and that there should be money enough in hand for paying their wages, for fitting out proper vessels, and for supplying the requisite stores and provisions. For the first object, proclamations were issued, letters were written, and agents were sent into various parts of Greece and her islands. For the second, Lord Cochrane went personally to the assistance of Dr. Goss, who, as Commissary General of the Fleet, had been attempting to collect the revenues of the islands, which, by order of the government, had been assigned to naval uses. He succeeded to some extent in this, and also in quickening the latent patriotism of the people whom he visited. His most important visit was to Syrah, where, as will be seen from the letter which he addressed to the government on the 13th of July, he was obliged to resort to strong measures for securing the good end he had in view. Quote, I have the honour to inform your excellencies, he wrote, that a new crew, having been procured for the Hellas with less delay than I anticipated, by reason of the pay having been increased one-third in amount, I proceeded to Syrah, taking with me several of the principal inhabitants of the three maritime islands, who expressed to me by letter their anxiety to have an opportunity of promoting a loan on the credit of the revenues of the islands, which your excellencies had authorised me jointly with others to collect. I have now the pleasure to inform you that when I left Syria yesterday everything seemed to promise a favourable result, but in order to obtain this important object it became necessary that I should take upon myself the responsibility of intimating to the prefect of police, who had assumed despotic authority, that it was essential to the public good that the magistrates should resume the functions that they had exercised previous to his arrival. I am convinced that your excellencies will perceive as clearly as I do that it will be impossible to preserve harmony amongst the islanders if strangers are sent to exercise over the natives and authority that is not acceptable to them. Indeed, the character of these natives demands at all times prudence and circumspection on the part of the government. Unfortunately, the miserable triumvirate to which the direction of Greek affairs had been assigned until the arrival of Count Capodistrius was wholly wanting in prudence and circumspection. After vainly trying to maintain a show of authority and to use it to their own aggrandizement at Damala and at Poros, they had on the 4th of July removed to Napulia. There, however, they only found themselves more embarrassed than ever. While the last hopes of Greek independence, to be secured and maintained by Greeks themselves, were rapidly dying out, the leaders were amusing themselves and gratifying their petty jealousies and ambitions by conduct more despicable than ever. Now Plea was the seat of civil war between two military factions, whose joint contempt of the worthless government would have been at any rate excusable had not the interests of the whole nation been thereby injured. The triumvirate was driven from the town and taking refuge in a little island in the bay of Naplia, wrote in despair to Lord Cochrane, asking him to come to its aid and devise some means of preserving, or rather constructing, its authority. To Nauplia he accordingly went on the 19th of July. Quote, I am now at the anchorage of this place, he wrote thence to Dr. Goss on the 22nd. The town is evacuated by the inhabitants and abandoned by the government. The latter are in the little island in the bay, in the most deplorable condition, trembling like Sancho when invaded in his dominions of Barataria, and not knowing which way to turn, whether to avoid or meet the enemy. No words can depict the state of things. I have had correspondence with the government and all the chiefs, but have waited on none, because I am determined to keep myself clear of faction, and go straight forward in what I consider to be my duty. We are now weighing anchor, he added in a postscript written in the evening of the same day, and the Austrian commodore is coming into the bay, an evil omen. 
he is watching like a vulture the agonies of the expiring authorities of greece End quote. Quote, as you have done me the honour said lord cochrane in a letter to the government to request my opinion regarding the matter of settling the disputes between the contending chiefs who hold the higher and lower fortresses of nauplia it becomes a sacred duty to give that opinion without the slightest reserve because the consequences of any half-measure will be entirely destructive of the influence of your excellencies throughout greece and eventually may frustrate the endeavours of the european powers to promote a settlement with the port your excellencies then must at once remove from the situation in which you are now placed or more properly speaking to which you have fled and where you are still under the cannon of the disputing chiefs or both these chiefs must be caused to abandon the fortresses they hold to suffer one to remain and to expel the other would be voluntarily to surrender your authority and through greece and throughout the world you would be considered in no other light than as instruments for giving the semblance of legality to the dictates of a military chief lord cochrane did not wait to see the end of this dispute between the mock government and its nominal subjects he left nauplia on the twenty second of july to complete the arrangements he had made for another attempt in defence of greece he had already sent admiral Sectores and a small force to maintain a show of blockading alexandria in order that thereby neutral vessels at any rate might be deterred from giving aid to the turkish cause he had sent vessels to blockade the gulf of patras in the same way he had also issued a vigorous proclamation to the inhabitants of western greece urging them to rise against their oppressors and he was eager to go thither himself and encourage the work for which he hoped that his fleet and his naval arrangements were now better fitted one important auxiliary to this work he hoped to have in a corps of marines to the number of a thousand which colonel gordon urquhart was now trying under his directions to organize Quote, i have several things in view which even this small force could accomplish he wrote to dr goss and amongst the rest will be the rooting out of the pirates from the islands End quote. more important however than the restraint of piracy was the resistance if possible of the turkish forces several of the egyptian ships which lord cochrane had hoped to destroy in the harbour of alexandria had now come out and joined the ottoman fleet which had navarino for its headquarters he determined without loss of time to go and see what injury could be done to them and accordingly after a brief visit to poros where he took on board some stores and provisions and where he left dr goss to use the scanty supply of money which he had collected in completing the equipment of the other vessels he started in the hellas on the twenty eighth of july for the western side of the maria on the twenty ninth when near cape st angelo he fell in with the salver returning from a cruise in the gulf of patras and the two vessels proceeded with all haste to navarino they reached that port and had sight of the turkish fleet on the evening of the thirtieth with french colours flying lord cochrane reconnoitred its position and then watched for an opportunity of attacking some part of it the opportunity occurred on the first of august a corvette carrying twenty-eight fine guns and a crew of three hundred and forty with two brigs and two schooners had passed out on the previous day apparently with the intention of conveying reinforcements to the gulf of patras lord cochrane immediately gave them chase and drove them backwards and forwards between zante and the shore north of navarino all through the night and till nearly noon on the first then suddenly tacking he closed upon the corvette and there was hard fighting the first in which he had been able to persuade his greeks to join between the two vessels for fifty minutes at about one o'clock after fifty of their number had been killed and thirty wounded the turks surrendered lord cochrane found on board twenty greek women and several children who had been subjected to the vilest treatment in the meanwhile captain thomas of the Savoir had engaged with one of the brigs carrying twelve guns and captured her 
with the loss of fifteen killed and wounded to the Turks, but none to the Greeks. The other vessels escaped, but an Ionian vessel, laden with provisions for the Ottoman army at Patras, was seized in the afternoon, and her cargo put to good use. Lord Cochrane waited off Navarino for two days, hoping that some of the enemy's fleet would come out to attack him. They, however, locked themselves carefully in the harbour until he had set sail for the south, when they feebly attempted to pursue him. He thereupon, after releasing the Turkish prisoners at Candia, returned to Poros, there to leave his prizes, and endeavour to take back a larger force with which, worthily, to supplement his recent successes. End of chapter 19 Recording by Timothy Ferguson, Gold Coast, Australia